Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Make room for another female director, New York City-based independent filmmaker Paula Eiselt. Her work has been supported by the Sundance Institute Documentary Program, the International Documentary Film Association, Women Make Movies, as well as the New York State Council on the Arts. 93 Queen, Paula's featured directorial debut, won the inaugural First Look Pitch Prize at the 2017 Hot Docs Forum. It tells the story of a group of Hasidic women as they overlook and overcome massive obstacles to form the first all-female ambulance corps in New York City. Their goal is to provide dignified emergency medical services to the women and girls in this very religious community in Brooklyn's Borough Park neighborhood. Paula is also developing a New York Times op-doc on Jewish identity in collaboration with the team behind the In Conversation on Race series. Additional directing credits include the short films Priscilla, My Mom and the Deadhead, and The Fitting Room. Paula is a graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts with a double major in film production and cinema studies. So, Paula, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Paula, it's so interesting that so many of the women directors that I have had the opportunity and pleasure of meeting all are NYU graduates, myself included. Really? So, Tisch School of the Arts is really a fabulous training ground, yes. I assume, for you. It was and is. And actually, one of my professors, uh, my documentary professor, Marco Williams, is an EP on this film. And he's he's mentored me for 10 years. So I think it's so important to have mentors. Mm -hmm. And he's just been with me since I graduated NYU a while ago. So why did you go to NYU? To be in film? Yes. I was always interested in storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think... In high school, well, actually, pre-film, my film awakening, I wanted to do journalism. That's also storytelling. Yes. And then I saw, in, in ten, I was in 10th grade. I remember my friend and I, we cut class, mm -hmm. and we went to Blockbuster, because those were there. Yeah, there's only and, one left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're like, let's watch a movie. We picked up, it happened to be Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. So this is how you were going to play hooky, by watching a film? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. Yes, and we had no idea what 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 Requiem for a Dream just was going to be. You it just was, pick that one. Pick that one. And then, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's very intense. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of, we watched it, and when the credits rolled, we just, our jaws were just open, and... We, I just was like, I want to do this. Might the stars have been aligned for you in terms of why did you pick that film? I guess so. And it's funny because, you know, Requiem for a Dream is a very bleak film. It's about addiction. Mm -hmm. And really, I think my analysis of the film is like these characters are all addicted to hope. Naively, that it's going right, to get better in spite of what's been happening to them. Their yeah. and, and I think, in a really cynical way, you know, that's filmmaking mm -hmm. that you have to, despite the hurdles, you still trudge forward. Right. Um, you soldier on. You soldier on, exactly. And I think that the struggle of the characters and the way Dan Aronofsky um, developed them, and you see kind of their fall was so was so devastating but, but and impactful and impactful and and the score and the editing just just the whole package of cinema is was in that film for me um that was your first movie no 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 
That was not my first movie. Okay. But it was the first movie that resonated with you? Maybe that's a better yes. way to put it? That made me want to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really the first one. And then I was like, okay, you know, I, I went to a private Jewish school, mm-hmm. religious Jewish school. There was no film. There was nothing. And I was like, so, like, how am I going to be a filmmaker? I started a film club in the school. I started trying to, like put that in there. Um, and then over the next few summers, after 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, I interned in film production companies. And I actually ended up interning for Darren Aronofsky. Oh, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Because my mother, she tracked down his agent and sent them a paper that I wrote with my NYU application and sent so them the an whole essay. thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. They're like, yeah, come intern for us. Wow. So that's how I started, you know, my way into the So maybe the this was, world. again, like I said, all supposed to happen, how these puzzle pieces so fit into place, right? It's very, I'll tell you one other thing that will blow you away. All right. So when I was in NYU, we were shooting my first, uh, it was my junior year, my first um, short. Mm-hmm. It was a fiction short um, in the middle of a city. We were in the West Village, and I had my whole crew, and we're shooting. And someone comes in. You're not going to lose and said, oh, Darren Aronofsky just walked by the set. <laughs> so my first thing that I'm shooting. Yeah, this is annoying. It's, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's pretty wild. So did you run out and try to hook up with him? or He just... was gone by then, mm-hmm. but I I ended up seeing him again, like, years later, like, at a, at a screening, mm-hmm. and I, I did introduce myself. I don't know if he remembered me, but... Um, you know what? It, it doesn't just, matter. It doesn't... It Somehow was, the yeah. stars were aligned for yes. this to... Yeah. So do you go to graduate school right after undergraduate school at NYU? No. I, I actually, I went straight to the film program, Mm -hmm. undergrad. And then since graduating Tisch, I was working. I didn't go to graduate school. So you are so impacted by this movie that you saw. Did you feel you had something to say? Yes. And looking back, you know, my short films in NYU, you know, all grappled with my identity. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think primarily as a religious person, Because I've always been kind of exploring that. Like, what does that mean to me Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to be religious? Because I call myself, I'm I'm equally secular. What does that that mean? It means my Judaism is is a huge part of me. And I was born into it. And it's it's my construct. And it's something I think is beautiful. And Mm -hmm. and that's my um, roadmap in life. Mm -hmm. But intellectually and you know, I'm in the secular world. I and I understand. I'm really in both worlds, and I and I feel, you know, I'm a person of the world. I'm not just a Jewish person, right? But has that caused conflict in your life? Definitely, because you're kind of competing. It's two worlds competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's it's the art world. I wouldn't say it's very hard. I think in the arts to you know have also another totally different community that operates on a totally different wavelength because when you're an artist like this is your community this is your family your your art is your is your baby these are people who understand you because yes. you speak the same language just like you speak the same language within your religious and social community exactly. yeah i can't imagine how that was an easy road to navigate no and it's 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 still Difficult, but it, it makes life interesting. Did it ever enter your mind to kind of document your life? 
No, not not directly. Mm -hmm. But I think I put so much of myself into the projects I've done um, that while I'm making them, I am exploring so much, you know, the film that the documentary, my feature debut, 93 Queen, takes place in the Hasidic community, which is, you know, the most, for lack of a better word, fundamentalist part of Judaism. So diving in, you know, to my own, say, let me explore the, my own fundamentalist side mm-hmm, of, of, mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. and, and see and see what that's about. And how do I relate to that being an observant Jewish person? Like, how do I relate to that world? Yes, it becomes um, very personal, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> As opposed to making a movie about construction workers. Yes. Although that does seem like a breath of fresh air right now. <laughs> I don't want to get into 93 Queen quite yet. Okay. But I would like to ask you, in terms of your upbringing, how encouraged were you to pursue a career, and per- particularly a career that was not so female-friendly? Yes. Well, first off, my parents have always been extremely supportive. My mom is a deadhead. They love cinema. There was always a love for film in my family. Um, It was never, that was never an issue. Like, you shouldn't do this. I actually tell my parents, like, why don't you tell me not to do this? <laughs> uh, but but I was fully supported. That that was great in my, in my personal circle. I think within... Uh, the community, the larger community, the larger community. It's it's not typical, yes. and it's 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 a hard lifestyle to maintain. And really, you know, back to to being a woman, um, I think it more has to do with that. Um, than maybe the religion part of it. Well, I think that's fair. But on the other hand, I've interviewed so many female directors, and it. I mean, it's tiresome to ask the question or even make the comment, you know, uh, what's it like to be one of the few females? I'm not a female director, but there's a ubiquity. There are definitely more and more women, not just making documentaries. I mean, I interviewed Deborah Granick, who's Leave No Trace. I mean, it's going crazy at yeah. the box office. Seeing women calling the shots literally and figuratively is not so unusual anymore. I'd like to think that that's a fair statement. Right. And it's inspiring to see all that happening. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, and again, this is this is, I think, very personal to my life, okay. not, not broadly to women. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to have three kids. So I think for me, that's where it, the balance gets compounded. It's, mm-hmm. it's the mother balance. Do you have support? I have a ton of support. My mm-hmm. husband's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can only do this if you have a supportive partner. Like I was saying before with art, you know, there's this constant pulling of like my art's my baby, you know, yeah. and then yeah. you have my real babies. Yes. And 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 the balance, the balance is yeah, it can is, be overwhelming. Can, yes, exactly. Uh-huh. But when you were at NYU, first of all, how old are you? 32. So you're young. So when you were at NYU not that long ago, was it unusual? Were there many Paula Eiselts at NYU when you were there? Because, you know, I kept the Sabbath. That was hard because I couldn't shoot right. on Saturdays. And, and all, all the shooting takes place over the weekends. That's what you do. You yeah, of course. Up. You're going to school during the week. And you shoot on the weekends. Yeah. So I think that that I had to really navigate that. And I, and I did. Like, I, you know, I helped on other people's films that weren't shooting on Saturday. I would come on Sunday. I would come during the week. I tried to... To make a trade, so to, make to speak. A, exactly. Yeah, make yeah. A trade with people. But that was limiting in a way. And I think, as you just mentioned, 
you're seeing more and more women behind the camera today and directing. But in NYU, and this was even like 10 years ago, it's funny, like within the school system, you can see when people would crew up, Mm -hmm. there would be very few female cinematographers. There was, was you know, the roles were very gender divided by gender. Yes, yes. And and right. the guys, you That's know, mostly, yeah. you know, wanted the, the key positions to be other guys. So, and I've talked to women directors who have expressed the fact that when they are again calling the shots, they're you know the male reaction to this is wrong. I have to listen to you. I mean, it's it's a shame, but yeah. you have to soldier on. It's just as simple as that. You were going to make it work. I was going to make it work, and people, I think. You know, in, in in terms of my career, I've learned to to use that as an advantage. Like pe- people, you know, I think because I'm a woman, I'm orthodox, whatever that means. They don't take me as seriously. They just don't take me. Oh, is this like your hobby? Yes. They don't yeah. really take mm-hmm. me seriously. But I think if you learn to use that to your benefit, you can get more access to things. You end up shooting differently because you disappear more. You you kind of like, I was like, okay, you're not going to take me seriously. I'll play into that role and kind of disappear more and, and you don't, you know, and be able to have a wider net to observe because people are less intimidated by the presence Did you feel that you had a good support system, whether it was personal or, quote, professional by professional, I mean, academically? Did people say, hey, let's back Paula? Marco did. Mm-hmm. Marco Williams. He, he so always, he saw something in he you. Saw, he always believed in me in things that I felt were difficult, like my balance with my observance. He thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. So think that, that you were able to juggle those balls yes. in the air. Yes, and he was the first person that made me think like, oh, like that's that's an asset for you. Like don't don't apologize for that. Right. And then there's also um, I had another great mentor in NYU, Judith Helfand, mm-hmm. who's a who's a director herself, and she was as a woman, you know, she was great. Just because I think it's great to have both men and women in your, in yeah, your well, life as mentors. And role models. And role models. Yes, so, of course. So she was fantastic. So I think they were really, they made me feel uh, supported. And validated. And exactly, validated. But as I said in the introduction, your credits include short films. So what made you think you could direct a feature? Oh, I was just like, I'm going to do this. I have things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I knew... I was going to direct features. Mm-hmm. It was this is like what a, you a were... decision. It was kind of like, this is what I'm meant to do. Well, this is the road that you're going to travel. This yes. is what you uh, aspire to do. Yeah. And it's, I think while I was in school, I, I did gravitate more towards fiction. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself being, uh, working in documentary after and just kind of being very allured by the real world to where I was, you know, Reality is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. true to me. There was just I was just there's just too much out there that I'm interested in that I needed to capture. The power of the documentary can just not be overstated. To teach, to learn, to teach, to expose. I don't know. It gets me almost even emotional. What you can come away with and a slice of life that you can learn about or a situation. It boggles the mind. And at some level, it was dismissed in the past. But how you can learn from this and and that they're getting widespread distribution is a really big deal. It's it's huge. I mean, I've heard people say it's the golden age of documentary. I was going to say, you know, this is this is a perfect time for you. Yeah. Maybe in the back of your mind, you knew you were going to make your own full length film. But how did that come about? 
I was working as an assistant producer on a few docs, and my uncle, who happens to be Hasidic, he had, at that point, he's a recovering addict and has a mental illness. Mm -hmm. His story was always something, you know, my whole life, his struggle, I was really always connected to him Mm -hmm. and, and just inspired and intrigued by his life. He had just reached a, a sobriety milestone and was going to set out to find a job and a wife. Turn his life, a, Turn his life around. around. like, if I'm going to tell this story, like, now's the time I need to just pick up my camera. This and is I, you speaking. This is me speaking. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that as much as I was getting experience working on other films until you actually start doing it yourself, uh, you don't really know what it is. So. I would think so, <laughs> yeah. I, it, was it terrifying? It was terrifying that first, you know, that film, which is still in process, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I just literally picked up my camera, which wasn't a very good camera. And, and followed just, him? And just started following him mm-hmm. and, and really learned on the job, like like simple things and mm-hmm. like releases, you know, like the stuff that's beyond just filming that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, you know. The experience of filming other people, being in their lives, of observing the life. intrusion. Exactly. <laughs> the intrusion. So I, you know, I thank really my uncle and my family that was a part of that for letting me learn on them. Yeah. And that film will be completed one day. It's an amazing story. The shooting is over. The shooting's over. It's at a rough cut. Okay. It's, okay. It's, it's there. How long did it take you to get to this point? To the rough cut yeah. of that film? Yeah. Years. I, I followed him for years, and then I finally—I mean, in my 20—years, and then I did a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the money to, to cut the rough cut, and then 93 Queen— Got in the way. Got in the way. Um, And I think, well, I don't know if you want to get into that. Yes, we should definitely talk about this. Absolutely. Okay. I think, so I can go to the moment Mm -hmm. where, like, the pivot happened. Sure. (laughs) Where you sort of left him in the corner. Yeah. For the time being. (laughs) At at the time being. I mean, Uh, there there was a point where I was like, I'm going to do them both at the same time, and I did try that. Um, You realized how nuts that was. Yeah, that that was, was, and both products would suffer. So, you know, I was in the middle of making that film. Um, Does it have a name? Following Baruch. And again, just to go back to that, I think I started with that, because as a documentary filmmaker... I always think it's good to start with what you know mm-hmm. and what you have access to. Like, access is everything. Sure. So if you have access to a great story, start there. Right. Um, and that, you know, that story ended up being a stepping stone to this story. And he was totally amenable and on board with you trailing him around. Yeah, I think I annoyed him a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. But like a fly. I was <laughs> just, you know, I, I went to his therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I filmed very personal things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the trust was really there. And mm-hmm. it was it was amazing to be in such an intimate space. Mm-hmm. Um, but while that was happening, I was perusing this fun Jewish Orthodox website that, that really caters towards like the more... Hasidic world, and this was year, six years ago. I just like like looking at like what like what's going on here. So I saw a blurb about a group of women, Hasidic women, who are starting their first all female ambulance corps because the existing corps, known as Hatzela, banned women. So at that moment, two things struck me: first, that Hatzela, this all male ambulance corps, bans women. I I know this corps. 
in my neighborhood where I grew up, there there is a Hatzalah. Mm-hmm. And it had never occurred to me that women were actually actively excluded from that. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, what? You know, I, I But they were treated by these. Treated. Yes. But, but there are no, no EMTs. Right. Um, New York uh, City has female e- EMTs. Oh, Thola is a private organization. Yes, exactly. So that really struck me. And then there was the fact that here were Hasidic women who were not taking no for an answer. That they weren't saying, all right, you guys aren't letting us in. We're going to go home now. They're saying, you know, if you're not going to make space for us, we're going to make our own space. And I thought that was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Hasidic women be quote-unquote defiant in any way and I was like this is something special um, and it's very underexplored Hasidic women are nowhere in the media mm-hmm. women who are actively Hasidic that live within the community sure they're kind of just inv- like invisible, invisible. yeah um, mm-hmm. and this is a chance to to give them a platform and 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 see what these women are about so I went and I I met with Rachel slash Ruchi the woman who's the protagonist in the film and who's starting this whole ambulance corps. And um, it took time for her to agree Mm -hmm. and to get access because although I am an insider, I'm not Hasidic, I'm still an outsider, Mm -hmm. and media is taboo, right? especially film. Yeah. Like, forget it. Um, And I think the two things that really sold her, so to say, on you, on me and on this project was that, A, like, I understand you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's not really many or any other um, female observant filmmakers, you know, who, who are actively working in the regular film industry that can also, you know, that that understand the tenets of Hasidic Judaism. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can be that bridge where um, I I know the laws of modesty. So when I'm shooting, it's very dignified. I make I made sure that everyone, you know, if someone's knee was showing, I knew t- to look for that and mm-hmm. say, that's not going to fly. Let me crop that out. Let me adjust the frame. Mm-hmm. Let me fix that. And that I was able to relate and, and just be non-judgmental. So, like, you know, like, you're living your life. Tell me about it. You know, I'm not I'm not going to judge you right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, she felt that. And then the other thing was, you know, I, I said to her, the Hasidic community is not really represented in, in media. Um, there are stories about the Hasidic community and we and but they're all very negative, you know. Um, well, it's a very insular community. You know, very that- insular. And it's like a catch 22, you know, Um Films, media is not really let into the community, right? Right. So then, so then, media has to has to kind of tell a story for them. So it's kind of no one gets in, and all we hear are the profound problems in 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 the community. We don't, you know, that that's the image. So um, if you and I said to her, if you don't agree with that, if you think that's not how your community should be portrayed, then you have to you have to show us something else, you know. And and I you know, will give you and these women the opportunity to do that. Why did she need you to tell her story? I don't know if she needed me. Um, I don't mean you specifically as Paula, but why did she need you to tell her story? They were going to do this and make this fly with, regardless of whether or not you were there. Right. I don't think, I don't think they were thinking about, you know, showing the world what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were operating in a in an insular way for sure you know, for their community. And here I'm like, this is something really beautiful that's happening in your community. Tell people about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna empower a lot of women outside of your community. 
let the world in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she was struck by that because she herself has things to say to the world. Yes. And the film it makes clear that she's an attorney and that she runs for civil court and she gets elected, which is pretty unorthodox, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that she's uh, she's on the bench. And so she's a different breed. Totally different breed. So once she gained your trust, was that a relatively easier road to hoe then in terms of you just trailing them around? Relatively. I mean, this, this was not an easy film to make because mm-hmm. I had... The trust, but this was all just so, so new, new. to everybody. Yeah. There was, and, and things came up that nobody expected. And there was just a lot of teaching and explaining, like, how how does, you know, it's probably true for any documentary subject, but even more so here, like, how does this all work? There, there was a lot of unknown and fear about film, about media, about, mm-hmm. you know. What, and probably mistrust. Mistrust. A lot of mistrust. Yeah. Uh, about the, So to kind of overcome that, along the way was always difficult. I mean, really until the last two years, there was no website. I mean, oh, the website is brand new. I mean, there was nothing online. About them. About about this film being made. How many people were involved in the making of this film when you were shooting? For 85% to 90%, I was a one-woman crew. Yeah, I would That was the so. only way this could have, have gotten off the ground. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I How was, long did this take? I was shooting for four years. Oh, my gosh. For four years. Did you, did at any point, did you ever think to yourself, what am I, nuts? Every, every point. (laughs) Where'd the money come from to do this? So the first couple years there, you know, I was shooting and basically working for nothing. And then really the game changer was when PBS came on board as a, as a a co-production with PBS Mm -hmm. through ITVS. Okay. They were, that was a, that was a game changer. They well, they gave you a lot of street cred, didn't they, for that? Street cred, exactly. Supports. And yeah. once they came in, everyone else followed. Yeah, That's you just how, need that first one. You need the to first take this, money that in. step. Yeah. And they were really the first that understood how unique this story was. I think the dynamic here is that for people who don't live on the East Coast, and certainly are not familiar with the Hasidic community, maybe a comparison could be like the Amish, uh, very insular, that they can't really appreciate the mountain that you were climbing. Yes, exactly. And I think what is so rare about this film is that these are people who are actively living within the community, so the stakes for them are so high because they're not leaving the community. Yeah, they just don't come in from nine to five. Right, and yeah. they're not, and, and, and these are not people who, Ruchi and the other women, they love this community. So they, they're not looking to, to get out of it. And right. I think there are stories out there, which are amazing stories of people who've left the community. And those are extraordinary stories and need to be told. The people who already left, the stakes are actually a little aren't as high because they're already out. You know, like what they've experienced has happened and that's why they left. So these are women who are, and especially women and people who are, who are embracing where they are and trying to make it work. Right. So they're under a magnifying glass. Uh, So there's just a lot of tension there Uh, as, as a filmmaker telling an authentic story, being as Unobjective as as objective as one can be, which you know we right. Well, the minute you put your eye behind a camera, you're editing. You know exactly. You're bringing your own perspective. But I think obviously the biggest thing, like we said, was trust. And the film it's obviously completed. What's been the reaction? 
So, so far, it premiered at Hot Docs a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's the reception has been incredible. Um, what about members of the Hasidic community? So that's going to happen soon. Soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruchi herself is loves it mm-hmm. and is obviously very supportive. She's coming to all the Q&As and everything. But as, you know, everyone... That community is kind of waiting to see. I think the the fear there is is also because Hatzala is you know is kind of they're the ones that are not laying the women in. Yeah, and and that's in the film. Everyone is like hypersensitive about Hatzala because they're a great organization. Right? Are they going to be under attack in this yes. movie? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of and there's a lot of question about that. Right, and perhaps skepticism. But in terms of like. Just, you know, the word on the street and the buzz, it's been overwhelmingly amazing. I mean, there's women from all over leaving messages and and, and comments on social media that we've been waiting for this. Thank you. I mean, like women are really responding and not just Jewish women. I'm talking mm-hmm. about like any, any yeah. from anywhere mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. just like so inspired by what these women and empowered. Empowered mm-hmm. had to go through to, to basically help people. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about women wanting to help other women primarily. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it must be such a, on a very, very personal level, just that massive sigh of relief that that comes from you after four years and this commitment. And, and again, this, you know, it was not an easy road to hoe and it was all worth it for you. It seems that way right now. Well, that's it's, wonderful. It's and and just to really inspire other women universally. That may not have very been gratifying. your primary goal, but it is so great. That's the whole thing, the sisterhood, you know, that we're we're kind of in this together. We've run out of time, but I just wanted to ask you what fingers are in what pies for you coming up. I think I will be doing some shorts mm-hmm. <laughs> to cleanse the palate. Right. Uh, Four years but, is a long time. Uh, for it was actually over five. Okay. Was, yeah. So, um, so I have some some of those in the works. Um, one is about you know Jewish identity, and um, there'll be a theme for you. Do you think it, it'll? No, be- I, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't. I don't specifically want it to be. Mm-hmm. I, I really... Um, I mean, it's obviously a big part of who you are, but right. it doesn't mean that that's all you have to focus exactly. on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in, in, in other stories mm-hmm. beyond beyond this community, of course. So you work for yourself. I work for myself, mm-hmm. yeah. And you have your own company. Yep. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you've had all this great support, and now you're you're out there. I mean, it really must kind of... Uh, <laughs> It's in, scare it's, you, but terrify you, but also you know embolden you, excite you. I mean, what a mix of feelings, you know. You know, and and really like the biggest validation is seeing the support on both sides: mm-hmm. the document, the film world, the the professional and, world, the professional world, and within the Jewish community. Because I so wanted the two parts yeah. of my world to unite with each gotcha. other, right? And to have they don't have know, to be adversarial, exactly, mm-hmm. uh, because that's that like embodies who I am. Gotcha. I'm able to wear those two hats. So it's like, guys, why can't we just? And that's what's important to you. That's yeah, what's important sure. to me. And and to have PBS, Sundance, Tribeca, like seeing the value in this is is incredible. And to having you know uh, women and people, not just women, men. Mm-hmm. Really inspired this. I think you know we can't discount how important it is for men to see women being empowered oh, and support that. I Absolutely, mean, that to me that goes without saying. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean that's so, just such a given. And the last thing I'll say, just you know, what I hope the film, my dream for this film is, you know, the soul of it is change from within. It's mm-hmm. about a community changing from the ground up through female-led progress. And while you know we spend time talking about that these women are Hasidic and Jewish. 
that's really besides the point. That's just a vehicle to tell the story mm-hmm. of progress. And especially with the situation we're in politically, this is a story that's playing out in communities all over. How are communities coming together to, to elevate and empower. And empower. Yes, you're absolutely right. So I right. really hope that this film, while it takes place in a particular particular, very particular Resonates space. well beyond that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that is a perfect way to end with hope. Well, Paula, thank you so much for sharing a conversation with me. I really enjoyed learning all about you and hearing about the film and continued success. Thank you. This was really a lot of fun. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Everybody,